This is the Serial at Midnight Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Serial at Midnight Podcast. My name is Heath Holland, and this week we got a horror conversation for all the horror hounds out there, but it's not just horror. It actually goes into some really interesting areas. So Jason Benet is a writer. He's a journalist who's written for Fangoria. He's currently writing for Delirium Magazine, which is a publication from Charles Band and the Full Moon, <laughs> the Full Moon Empire, if you catch the pun. Uh, and uh, he's also working for Culture Shock Releasing, which was a Vinegar Syndrome partner label that is now no longer a Vinegar Syndrome Syndrome par- partner label. So there's a little bit of insight into that, but. You know, I knew he wanted to talk about what was going on with Delirium Magazine. I knew he wanted to talk about horror and culture shock releasing, which is, I should mention, they specialize in, you know, sort of that uh, shot on video or late night vibe, you know, kind of like USA up all night kind of a thing. Uh, A really interesting niche, niche, it's my Southern, uh, an interesting niche that is... Uh, maybe underserved right now, but it's good to know that people like Culture Shock releasing uh, companies are, are stepping up and, and meeting that need. As you're going to hear in this conversation, there are thousands of those movies that need to be put out there. But what I was not expecting necessarily from this conversation was it for to go back to the importance of physical media, talk about what's going on right now with physical media, why this is a golden age, and any fears that physical media is dying are uh, are unfounded. And one of the things that comes through, you know, I wanted to talk to him about the state of journalism in horror and genre entertainment because, you know, a lot of us, maybe you too, are from an era where, this is the video store era, you know, the, the VHS era, the 80s, the 90s, you know, certainly before streaming, when magazines were the main gateway to the story behind the people that we were watching on screen. So you could check out a Linnea Quigley movie from, you know, your local mom and pop or maybe a blockbuster, but you weren't going to see, you know, there was no YouTube, there was no streaming. So if you want to find out more about Linnea Quigley or Michelle Bauer or Bring Stevens or, you know, Toby Hooper or, you know, any of the horror icons, George Romero, you go to the magazine rack because that's where monthly you're getting these hard-hitting interviews that are really a deep dive into that culture and that is one of the things that formed the subculture around this stuff now it's all changed so much i wanted to know well what's the current state of horror journalism just to begin with so that's in this conversation uh where he thinks horror journalism has gone or just film journalism in general surprised me i think he's right but i was surprised by it so there's a lot of things here for us for people like you and me who are interested in uh, the genres that we love. We're talking about physical media. We're talking about new labels or labels that are uh, finding their footing and meeting the need of the fans and also just telling the stories of the people that we care about and who are, you know, in some cases we've lost some of them, but there's so many of us that are still with us. And uh, as the internet has become, you know, a resource for all sorts of information, there's still a need for magazines. There's still a need for film journalism and for horror journalism. So this went to a few different really interesting places. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Without further ado, Jason Benet. Jason, it's really cool to talk to you. You have such an interesting and varied and prolific 
uh, career, like a, a like an output. Like you've written for so many magazines. You're currently writing for Delirium magazine, right? For Charles Band. Let's just talk about that for a second. Well, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. This is awesome. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I've been with Delirium magazine since 2014. Uh, it's a Charles Band magazine that's quarterly, so it's four times a year. Uh, we we discuss everything genre related. It's not just focused on Full Moon and Empire pictures, even though Charles Band owns the magazine. We can cover anything in the genre, even you know horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and I'm pretty much given free reign to interview who I want, and that's upon me to go look for people. This is not like an assignment. Hey interview this person. So you have to reach out on social media uh, any way you can to get a hold of these people. And usually they're very receptive. They like that you reach out to them and they're, they're respectful and like, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And uh, you know, who doesn't want to be in a print magazine, something tangible that they can hold on to that they could look at frame on their wall or, you know, it's, it, people still like, physical media in all formats and a magazine is one of them. I mean, I started with Fangoria. I went over to Gore Zone, which was a revamp of a magazine that Fangoria had released in the late eighties and early nineties. It fell by the wayside. It got brought back. And then I parlayed that into Delirium, which I've been there for um, almost 10 years now. And it's, it's great. It never gets old. It's always exciting. And I look forward to doing, you know, interviews. How how active how, is how Charles active? in in your data, like in the process? Do you hear? Does he have to sign off on things? Is he like, we're I hate this. We're not going to run this. I don't see that part of it. I know that the editor in chief is Chris Alexander, who used to write for Rue Morgue and Fangoria. He runs by everything by Charles. I think it's pretty open. I haven't heard anything getting shot down. Um, perhaps the cover stories he might be a little bit more involved with, but I think he gives Chris pretty much free reign to do what he wants. It's a small team of writers, probably less than 10. Michael Gingold does a lot of the editing. He used to be at Fangoria, Chris, myself, a few other writers. So it's a small group of people that, that get along well and have a passion for magazines. You know, we either grew up on Famous Monsters of Filmland or Fangoria or now Delirium. And I know it's not like the heyday of magazine sales. It's not what it used to be. It, it can't go back to that. We're just not in the area where we have Crown Books and B. Dalton and Walden Books and, and, and newsstands. It's just not that era. It's a digital era. And so I think it's a tough time for magazine sales, but there's still you know quite a few people out there doing it, like Horror Hound and Scream and... So it's still out there. I don't think it does as well as, let's say, physical media with movies like Blu-rays and 4Ks. I don't think magazines kind of have that niche audience. I wish it did. I don't. I don't think it does though. So. Who are some of the people that like? What are your, some some of your favorite interviews from your magazine work from your from your articles? Some of the favorite ones I've done. Yeah. And actually, by the way, before I went into print, I did write for a website called Killer Film, which sadly is no longer in existence. You can't find a trace of it on the internet. That's kind of where I learned that archive lesson. didn't get preserved anywhere. It just went up in smoke. That's a mistake I made. Actually, it actually verifies that physical media is the way to go in all formats where yeah. I didn't save that stuff. Like I should have, I was naive. Figured it would be on the internet forever. It's gone. I have lost 50 interviews. Some of the people have passed away 
like uh, Tom Tolles and Jim Isaac and uh, Danny Hicks, th th it's gone. So it's almost like I should have always done physical media. I should have always written for a magazine. And it's unfortunate those things are gone, but I learned my lesson the hard way. And yeah, it's just, I wish I can go back and fix that stuff, but but I, I can't. That's terrible. Yeah, that, that was an error on my part. I should have, you know, you think you know everything. I mean, unless you write for like a bloody disgusting, which has been around for 20 years, most likely it's, it's not going anywhere because it's such a successful website. But at the end of the day, you can't hang it on your wall. You can't turn the pages. You can't smell the paper. It's just, I say, always write for print. If you're, you know, working on a Blu-ray, always, you know, go the route of, you know, being put on an extra feature somewhere that you can hold on to that forever and not lose it. It's some of the, you know, I had some great interviews, um, you know, Roger Corman sitting at his desk. I still get nervous thinking about it because of who he is and what he's accomplished, you know, and the guy is almost a hundred years old. And I just saw him, the, the coverage of beyond fest this weekend. He looks great. Yeah. He's still getting around. He's still mobile. He's, you know, he's a legend. And I've had tough yeah. interviews too, where I had to kind of look inside and go, can I separate the art from the artist? I, I like the movie innocent blood, <clears throat> which is directed by John Landis. But in the back of my mind, was Twilight Zone the movie? And I had to think, well, you you know, you, you have to be professional here. You can't really be bringing up, you know, skeletons from the past, but I, I couldn't help. Those images were kind of ingrained in my memory, you know, the helicopter accident with Vic Morrow and the two children. So there's a lot of arguments about, well, you shouldn't have interviewed him at all, or you shouldn't buy this movie because this person was shitty on the set and did some horrible things, you know, and we know those movies without saying them. Well, there's that art artist, how do you straddle that line and, and still be uh, and do your job? So definitely highs and lows, great interviews, some that were tougher than others, but at the end of the day, you got to do your research, your homework, make the interview conversational and, you know, do your job. What do you think the current state of talking about doing your research? What's the current state of film journalism right now? Do you think what's 2023 looking like as far as being able to tell interesting stories about the people that we are interested in? I think it's a very small group of people, to be honest with you. It's not a lot. If you actually told up everybody that writes for magazines, it's probably a couple hundred people that really love it. And nobody went looking for them. They had to reach out to the people. I didn't start writing for magazines because of a reputation or a name brand, because that's really hard to do. I opened up a copy of Fangoria. I found the editor's name, and below it was his email address. And I reached out to him. That's how you have to do it. So it's very small. It's not very many people. Mm -hmm. You really have to love it. It's not about, you know making a lot of money or being famous because that's just not why you get into that anyways. It's you're passionate, you wear your emotion on your sleeve and it comes through. I think a lot of those people have moved on and the other people that do audio commentaries, they do things more in the digital world where I think there's more visibility. You get to hear their voice where, when you're reading a magazine, you're just reading words, mm -hmm. but it's much easier to do interviews and audio commentaries where I think 
people can connect with you on a different level. I think that's the passing of the torch, I think. Yeah, you're right. So many of the people that I that I know are now working on camera, behind camera. Have you ever thought about, I mean, I know we're going to talk about Culture Shock releasing, but have you ever thought about getting into like taking your interviews or, or just doing interviews and doing them in a podcast or doing them on YouTube or something like that? Not really. I mean, I, I like, I'd rather be a, a guest on a big Yeah. cast or a podcast. I know it takes a hundred percent commitment like you do with your channel. And I just don't think I have the time for that, but I would love to do like something on a culture shock release, like an interview. I'm local. I'm not far from Los Angeles. So I know that's where a lot of people live, LA Hollywood area. So I wouldn't mind going in person and doing something or, you know, even doing something over zoom if people live too far. I've talked to Daniel Del Pozo. He's the owner of Culture Shock. And that's a possibility. I think that's my next step. I would like to do that. I think that would be fun. And I like doing interviews. I like picking people's brains and asking them questions that are maybe not obvious that some people might miss. I, I just, I want people, you know, I want to ask questions that are thought provoking that make them go, oh, thank you for thinking about that and, and make it conversational. That's the key. It's like two friends talking. You get the most, most organic interview and the best answers that way. So I definitely would like to do more of that Yeah. for Well, sure. let's talk about culture shock releasing because this is something that I mean, maybe there are people watching this that have no idea what we're talking about. Tell them what culture shock is. It's a boutique label that releases Blu-rays and mostly horror, exploitation, sex comedies from the 80s and 90s is the, the bread and butter of the label, but also we've been doing newer films because I think there's a discussion about will physical media still be around? Like you, you hear it all the time. Physical media is dying. No, no, it's not. It's, I think it will slow down. I think, by the way, my opinion, since 2010, we've been living in the golden age of physical media and there's not even an argument there. I have been collecting for 30 years. I started with VHS, which had the most selection, but let's be honest, it was full screen with no extra features and the picture quality wasn't very good. That's gone. DVD had was amazing, was a huge leap forward. But again, I feel like it still was missing something, but it was incredible. And I think since maybe like Shout Factory and Vinegar Syndrome and Severin and all these companies, we're living in the golden age of physical media. And I feel like it's not going to end anytime soon. I think we still have another 10 years of this three to four announcements a week from different labels. That's not going to go away. I think it will slow down at some point because everybody's picking from the same pot of films. But is it going to die? No. If, if vinyl could still be relevant all these years later, there's no way Blu-rays and 4Ks. If anything, I think it's going to get stronger as far as The further we get away from these old films, we need them more because they're just not being made like that anymore. Just that, that era of, you know, pre-CGI film on set in camera had a, a look that was amazing. So I think just that's my opinion. This is the golden age of physical media. It's not dying. Going back to culture shock. Yeah, we used to be as, uh, with OCN Distribution. which is a sister company to Vinegar Syndrome. 
And as you know, they have well over 20 partner labels. Um, we had a two-year run with them. We decided to branch off because we felt like we outgrown the format. It was it was very crowded. Just Vinegar Syndrome's releases alone could be overwhelming, right? You have VSA, VSU, VSL, Picarama, all these sub-labels. And then you add another 20 releases a month possibly from partner labels. By the time they get to the little guys like us, they ain't got no money left, you know? So we we decided to branch off and we, now we're with Grayface Distribution, which is owned by Ryan Grayface. That's where TerraVision went as well. They used to be a partner label. So TerraVision, Culture Shock Releasing are all underneath the Grayface Distribution umbrella. And that's where we're putting out our movies now. And we just put out our first release was Night of the Bastard. Actually a newer horror film that came out in 2022 was released by Stark, uh, Dark Sky Films. We acquired it from them. And our next couple releases are kind of like our bread and butter of um, horror. We got Lone Wolf, which is a werewolf film from the late 80s. Uh, the Refrigerator, which is early 90s, kind of schlock. And then Late Night Classics is a line that we do, which is kind of like a throwback to Rhonda Shear, directed video films, Late Night Cable, so we're doing a lot of sex comedies, erotic thrillers, the kind of films that I don't feel like a lot of labels are doing. Yeah. So Late Night Classics Volume 1 was Virgin High, Hot Under the Collar, which are, you know, Linnea Quigley and Michelle Bauer. Volume 2 is our next one, which is going to be um, Assault of the Party Nerds 1 and 2. Kind of same. Linnea Quigley, Michelle Bauer, written and directed by Richard Gabay. And... That actually has got the best response of all the movies releases that we've done. Really? I've been sex comedies because nobody's doing them. Yeah. Because some people feel like there's not a market. They don't sell. The return on investment won't be good enough. And people are like, no, no, no. We want screwballs. We want the porky sequels that haven't been put out. We want these mm -hmm. films because not many people are doing them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that, that's, that's where we're at now. What sort of um, reaction have you gotten since you guys split away from, yeah, to, to the to the independent model, the distribution model that you're under now? What sort of how's the fan reaction been? A little bit of a pushback because people got spoiled because within if you're a subscriber to Vinegar Syndrome, mm -hmm. you got discounts in the partner labels, so maybe something they were on the fence about buying for twenty five bucks, maybe it was only eighteen bucks with a discount. And also we have a lot of international customers and shipping overseas can be expensive. Well, Vinegar Syndrome is such a huge company that they can keep those prices down. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's a little bit more difficult for that. And the prices are probably a little bit more because we're not with Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. So there was a little bit of pushback. Well, I'm in Canada, or I'm in Europe and now I don't want to buy your films. It's like, well, Take a deep breath and relax and realize that you can cherry pick. Yeah. It's great that you want to buy every film, but maybe not everything is for you. Just hold back on some other areas of spending. That's the subject that people don't talk about is, you know, that FOMO and you got to own everything. I don't buy everything. I, I just can't, I can't do it. I let's can't afford it. Let's, let's, let's open that door. You opened it. I would never, I wouldn't have gone there on my own, but let's go through that. <laughs> Labels are selling things, and I'm sure you guys probably have to do it too. It's a necessary, I feel like it's maybe a necessary tool 
um, that so many labels have to use, which is FOMO. Like this is the limited edition. If you don't get it now, you're going to miss out on a booklet or a slipcover. But we can't buy everything. And you're working for a label and you're saying like you can't buy everything. Like that's a fact. Like we can't have everything. I mean, you can if you want to end up in huge debt. I mean, it's up to you. Yeah. I, you know, I make sure that, you know, my rent is paid and there's food in everybody's stomach. And but the thing about it is I don't want to buy everything because you know, not everything is in my wheelhouse. For me, I'm I'm more forgiving than the average fan when it comes to slasher films because I can watch them for what they are, but also kind of brings back memories of the way life used to be. Yeah. It kind of gets personal, like the way people are dressed, the music they're listening to. Somebody walks by a marquee and it, I can see the movie, uh, the poster and go, oh, that came out in 82. I know when they shot this film. So it hits me in different ways Mm -hmm. Yeah, that movie is not Halloween. It's not A Nightmare on Elm Street. But because we're, we we don't make those kind of grungy, you know, but they as long as they deliver on the gore and the violence and nudity, I'm such a forgiving fan yeah. than the average person. But I grew up with those films, so they hit differently for me than other people. Do you know how many people tell me... Uh... I don't have anybody to talk about this with in my life, but when I watch your videos and feel like, I feel like I'm hanging out with a friend. It's, it is what you're talking about. It's that sense of community, that sense of camaraderie that we have lost from the video store that's carried over to the online space. It is, and, you know, and I try to balance it. I mean, I know there's a lot of negativity out there. I kind of push it to the side. I, I mean, trust me, I'm a regular visitor to the blu-ray.com forums and sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. And you have to be careful because sometimes you can, I can get caught up in the, why is this not getting put out and why did this get delayed? And yeah. why is uh, the monster squad 4k coming out in November and not October? Oh my God, really? A 4k of one of the greatest horror films ever made. And we're complaining about what month. Well, did you see Keto Lorber had to respond? Cause they were like, guys, if we could have put it out in time for Halloween, don't you think we would have like, of course. <laughs> I mean, I know certain movies hit different. You're going to want to watch, um, you know, Trick or Treat or any of the Halloween films in October. It makes sense. In November, you're going to want to watch Thanksgiving, you know, the Eli Roth film. In December, you're going to want to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. I get it. But beggars can't be choosers. That That's where we're to a point where spoiled rotten. The amount of movies we're getting, and yes, I will be the old guy shaking my fist at the, you know, sky, Trust me, I came from the era of $100 films, unless it was a blockbuster or, you know, some mainstream hit. Yeah. The amount of films we're getting, I don't care if they're grade A to grade Z in quality, we are spoiled. And we're not, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Just in case somebody doesn't know what you mean by $100 films, you're talking about the retail price of a new VHS tape back in like 89, right? Well, yeah, when I worked at Blockbuster Video it was the early 90s from like 92 to 98. So a customer would come in, hey, I want to buy um, the Boogans. Okay, let me pull up this horror film, right? Yeah. Oh, that'll cost you $89.99. Why is it so damn expensive? Because the studio needs to make money off it. They can't sell it at $15, $20. So me ordering you a copy to buy is no different than Blockbuster Video ordering a copy for their store. They need to be able to flip those movies over and over to get their money back. Mm -hmm. 
So you want the bogans this bad? You're going to pay a hundred dollars with tax. Yeah. Now all these films, regardless of the most of them are available or they're coming soon. So people don't understand that it was very expensive and it was normal. So if you go online and you look at any movie trade ads and you see that price, that was what it was. And it didn't really come down until, I don't know, maybe DVD. You have to remember the early to mid nineties, you were getting mainstream films, Jurassic Park and these kind of films that they knew were going to sell or like Jerry Maguire, unfortunately. Yeah. But they, they stole too many of them, but that's the way it was. If you grew up from 1995 on, and it's not, especially the last 15 years, I envy what you grew up with because it took us years to get to this point. Mm -hmm. And just enjoy what you're living in. Doesn't mean you can't complain about prices because let's be honest, without name and name, some companies are getting outrageous with their 4Ks that take a while to come in. <laughs> you know, I mean, but at the end of the day, you don't have to buy it. Nobody's forcing you to buy movies. It's it's your choice, what you do with, with your wallet. It is such a great time right now. This is one of the things I, I'm loving about this conversation is the spotlight on how great we have it right now. Um, there is so much happening. And, and you know, I, I haven't, I did an interview that I think will be posted by the time this, uh, this goes up where it was with a boutique. And I won't spoil it just in case I, it's not, but um, they told me for the last few years, every month we have month after month profits, you know, it's growing month after month. It's not shrinking. It's growing. We are growing every single month. And I, I say so many times, like guys, physical media is not dying. You might've seen Jason, you might've seen like, I've, I used to do like, is physical media dying? And I'd put like the, the question mark and because I don't want to be the guy that clickbait really works. It's a shame because there's so many hacky channels that are still running with the physical media is dying narrative to get clicks. And then you click it, of course, and it's like, no, it's not, you know, I, the, but there's so much like negativity and fear. Like, is anybody like, are you paying attention? Like I myself am covering it is legitimately like a hundred movies a month and I'm just, I'm not covering everything. That's like half of it. Maybe it's like 50 to 60 new releases every single week that's coming out. And, but, and the people go, okay, okay, okay. So physical media is not dying, but players are going to go away. Right. And I'm like, no, because if there, if this is, if this industry is making so much money, why would somebody not capitalize on us by selling us players? And I, I try to go, you know, I can go on Amazon right now and buy a new 3.5 floppy disk drive. Brand new. People are still making these things. When was the last time anybody used a 3.5 floppy drive? Um, you can buy eight track players uh, like Taylor Swift. And like, I just saw Nancy Sinatra. They're like, they're releasing things on cassette tape. Like I, I went to Walmart a couple of like two years ago. They had new, walkman i don't know if it was a walkman brand but like cassette players that you put on your hip and you put the little cheap foam headphones on <laughs> they have blank cassettes i'm like guys this stuff doesn't go away there's no reason to be concerned about this but they see a company leaving you know they'll see like a samsung or somebody getting out of the 4k yeah. business to go to tvs because they make so much more money on a tv and they're like well i guess i need to buy 10 players to last me for the rest of my life i'm like <laughs> no they'll be around man and don't you think worst case scenario, if all these companies stop making players, that the boutique labels wouldn't put their money together 
and make them make them themselves just because this is what keeps them alive. Why wouldn't they, they would open up a distribution company, a warehouse, and start making them themselves? You don't think these guys are very savvy. These guys are very smart businessmen. That's their fans first. But trust me, they're doing well because they sit back and they probably have meetings. They go over statistics and analytics and go, worst case scenario, what do we do if these major companies just stop selling Blu-ray and 4K players? Can we do it? Can we ship it out? Can we make them? I mean, these people are not, you know, they're not dumb. They're, they're going to figure a way out. We're going to be fine. We're going to keep having physical media for years to come. Yeah. And yeah. Anything that makes money is going to stick around, you know, and people uh, like, we're 25 years into, well, I think we're over 25 years now into the DVD lot. I think we're 26 years into when did, when did DVD launch? It was, it's been about 25 years, 97, 98, something like 97. It was, it was at least 97. Uh, it was not, it wasn't, it was 97. It, I think it was spring 97. Um, it's still the format leader. After all these years, the physical media, that DVD still outsells everything else. And you can, I can, if I, if I leave my house right now, I know a gas station that sells DVD players. I've got a Walmart that sells DVD players. Like there's a dollar general by like on the corner, they sell DVD players. This stuff is everywhere. So I don't know. We get, uh, we get so fearful sometimes that we're in the way of our own enjoyment. I feel like. I'm glad you brought up DVD. It even DVD is still a reliable way yeah. of watching movies. I know it's inferior to Blu-ray and, of course, 4K, but you're right. It does outsell. And I don't know if it has to do with maybe certain people don't have great internet connection if they live in a certain part of the United States that it's easier to buy it. I think we all think we're all on the same speed when it comes to internet. I think some people, maybe their digital doesn't come through well and they, they buy them. Yeah. And like you said, they're cheap. Walmart bin, $5, $10, might be the same price as renting it or mm -hmm. on Amazon or something. So yeah, and I, the worst thing you can do as a physical media collector is trash a different format because we need every format pumping out movies. So we stay around. Don't trash VHS, DVD. There's still movies that are coming out exclusively on DVD, not on Blu-ray. And I know it makes people mad. I, I think they should do both. Don't yeah. don't get rid of DVD. I still think it's 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 still good. There's no reason to to shelve it just yet. People say sometimes, well, they need any like I'll cover a DVD. First of all, I don't know where the elitism came from. I'm not sure where the 4K or even the Blu-ray elitism came from. Like, yeah, it's clearly better. Like, I think all given a choice of a 4K, a Blu-ray, or a DVD, I think most of us are going to gravitate towards the higher definition formats. But I'm not sure when we got to the point where it's the DVDs are trash uh, idea. You know, I went to a thrift store is like a week ago and they had cases like bookcases filled with DVDs, two bucks a piece. There was there were Warner Archive titles. They had all the Harry Potter movies. They had the Lord of the Rings movies. They had like Austin Powers. I mean, it was like walking into a blockbuster 15 years ago. It was like all these popular movies two bucks a piece and they're yours. Take them home. They're yours. And most people, when I posted it on social media, most people were like, Oh, that's awesome. I still love to hit up thrift stores and pawn shops for DVDs. Cause we know it's all about like just access to the experience. But then there were still people who were like, why would you waste your money on a DVD? It's trash. 
they need to discontinue DVD. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> if they discontinue DVD, those people don't upgrade to Blu-ray. They just leave the market altogether. You know, they go to streaming and are happy with that. If they realize how many movies that were released on VHS are not on Blu-ray and how many movies on DVD are not on Blu-ray, it's tens of thousands that might not ever make it because the rights change over the years, music rights, things became complicated. Don't ever destroy a format because I could think about all the DVDs that probably are never going to come to Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just don't do that. Don't don't want to get rid of a late uh, format like that. It's just keep it around. If you're not interested, fine. I still have a couple hundred DVDs in my collection. A good number of them are not on Blu-ray and they might not ever make it there. I can, I've done research into movies I want Culture Shock to acquire, just sex comedies, 80s and 90s. We're talking thousands, erotic thrillers, thousands. Think about all those 90s films with Shannon Tweed and Carrie Werher and, you know, yeah. they're not available. So, yeah, I, mean, I think that's why some people hold on to VHS, because they could watch it. And there's go, a, oh, I'm watching. Uh, this is an interesting question, and if you can't, I mean, I don't even know if you, you probably don't know the answer to this, but who retains the rights to all those USA Up All Night segments? Because obviously the, Joe Bob Briggs is like an institution, right? And some of that stuff has been carried over. Like, what happened to all those Up All Night segments? You know what? Rhonda Shear owns the rights to them because when I first got a Roku player a long time ago, she had a channel that you could add to the Roku and it was all the bumpers that played in between the film. So we've actually thought about reaching out to her when we have a movie that played on USA Up All Night, which we have, that, that extra feature could be the bumper. So yeah, mm -hmm. Rhonda Shear has the rights to those. Um, I think you could still watch them on her uh, on her YouTube channel. I follow there, her on YouTube, still, yeah. With Gilbert Gottfried and Linnea Quigley and all these people they would bring on, like from the Vice Academy films, and it's still out there. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's still around. And that's that's a that's encouraging. Hopefully that if you do get a chance to do that, you'll be able to include some of those extras. What kind of work are you guys putting into uh culture shock releasing titles? Do you do it like what kind of restorations are you guys looking at, or what kind of special features do you guys put on those things? Restorations, I mean, we've, we've done quite a few shot on video, and you know there's really not much restoration work to be done. But we have a guy that does great work, and with the elements that he has, um, the extra features actually are really good. We always try to have audio commentary. If there's deleted scenes, TV spot, home video spot, theatrical trailer, any kind of, uh, you know, advertising that you have that we can scan, we try to, you know, for $24.99, which is about the average price of one of our Blu-rays, we try to load up as much as we can. Right now, for Assault of the Party Nerds 2, Rhonda Shear is in that film. Richard Gabay wrote and directed it. He's going to do an audio commentary with her for that, which is great because I haven't heard from her in a while. I know she's active on social media, but an actual interview yeah. where I can hear her voice and, and go over things. Because I grew up in that era. You know, the Monster Vision, the... Elvira, the the Rhonda Shear, the, you know, you stay up late at night, everybody goes to bed and you watch things you're not supposed to. And uh, we miss that. Yeah. And I think this is why it goes to physical media collecting in general. It's we're buying memories. We're buying these films. A lot of these people are no longer with us. The directors, the actors, every day we're losing people. So I think even beyond the movie, 
you're capturing people that are no longer with us. And I think that's special. Sometimes you watch movies for different reasons. Like, oh, that's my favorite. You know, oh, Toby Hooper is no longer with us. Man, it was really nice to see that film. And oh, that extra feature where he got interviewed. Man, you know, or George Romero or whoever, Larry Cohen and just these great people. Because we're getting older and the people that we grew up with are getting older. If we were watching these films when we were kids and these guys were in their 20s and 30s, they're in their 70s, 80s, or they're no longer on this planet. So to me, that's very important to look at is archiving the interviews and those memories. Mm -hmm. I think it's a sentimental way. People are a little bit macho about, no, why are you getting all emotional about? Dude, it, it is emotional. Movies bring out, regardless of genre, emotions. That's just why we watch them, to pull us away from paying bills and life in general, right? And dealing with stupid people, which we all do. This is, I mean, movies are an escapism and this is why we buy them. Where can people buy them? Where culture shock, where, where do you want them to go look for culture shock releasing titles? There's two locations, uh, grayface.com and then cultureshockreleasing.com. And uh, those are the best places to buy them. And if you go to Vinegar Syndrome's website, a lot of the stuff that we put out through them, they're kind of trying to get rid of. So they've kind of discounted them. So there's some of our back catalog of different movies uh, that you can get probably 10 to 15 bucks. Wow. I also recommend that too. Yeah, even Slipcover, I think it's 15 right now, uh, $10 without. Movies like Mind, Body, and Soul and Night Ripper and Girlfriend from Hell and just these fun, campy films. I don't mind people going to get them. At the end of the day, all that matters is that you enjoy films and you're buying them, regardless of where you get them from. Well, listen, we've talked about a lot. Uh, I'm going to wind it down, but do you have anything that you want to have you, you want to announce anything? You want to promote anything? Do you want to tease anything? I can't say any titles, but we are working on a late night classic box set. A box set. So we, we've never done a box set, but it's a uh, DVD only, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> VHS. Um, yeah. But it's a Blu ray set, and it's definitely a collection people, uh, people are going to want to buy. Um, it's in the USA up all night realm. Nice. And that's next year. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's going to be something very cool. Uh, we do have a late night classics volume three before the box set comes out. It's an eighties comedy, never been on disc. So it's going to make the move from VHS to Blu-ray that's in the works. And, um, yeah, we have, we have more things coming. And uh, just just be patient and uh, keep an eye on you know our social media webs you know and the website, and that'll keep you up to date. And where can they read your your written work, your articles, the magazine stuff? We're telling them where they should go shop for that. Best place for that is fullmoonhorror.com. That's where you can buy individual issues as well as uh, get a subscription. Very good. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before I wind us down here? No, just uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it and. Uh, Keep supporting Heath's channel. He's doing the Lord's work. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. <laughs>
it wasn't don't buy everything. It was kind of like, hey, we can't all have everything we want. That's not something that a lot of people are talking about, especially not as they're trying to sell you stuff, right? The name of the game is to sell you something. And I think maybe sometimes my attitude towards that, because I don't, I don't love it. I don't like the, the fear of missing out aspect of things, even though we're all, we all participate. I won't say all of us, but a lot of us participate in that. But it's refreshing to hear someone say, I have to pick and choose because I know we all have to pick and choose too. I, we can't have everything. I don't know that we want everything. Everything, it doesn't make you happy, but there's a beauty in that. And I thought that that was really refreshing. I thought that right there, that statement puts, like it raised Jason's profile in my mind. I was like, oh man, this is a guy that's just going to tell it like it is. It's the journalism thing, right? Telling the truth. But first and foremost, I believe when you tell the truth, good things follow. Like, don't lead with a lie. Don't try to exploit somebody. Don't try to bilk somebody. Uh, lead with the truth and good things will follow. So I, I do encourage you to go support Culture Shock Releasing. If you're interested in the magazine, head over to uh, to, the, to, to, to Full Moon and check out the magazine. Uh, there is still a place for a lot of this stuff, right? So, And there's still a place for this podcast right? That's a weird transition, but please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, all those thumbs ups, the subscriptions help this channel. It helps you to know what's coming out. So you're not getting this video or audio, whatever, like a year later, you're getting it when it goes up. That's important because these these conversations are topical. Hey, if you're getting this a year later, you missed out on all those 10 and $15 culture shock releasing titles and the vinegar syndrome, uh, close out the, 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 what do they call it? The going out of print section. So that's one reason right there to subscribe. So you're getting content when it's released. I hate calling it content, but that's just what we do. Uh, when it's released, when you're supposed to, like when I want you to see it. So uh, please remember to support, share, get the word out there. That's how this stuff grows. And I'm hearing from a lot of you guys who are really digging these conversations. Thanks so much for the encouragement. I love hearing from you. I love to see you sharing it with people in your own feeds. That's how this stuff grows. You know, there is, it takes so little effort to do the little, you know, to like re to repost something or to copy a link, put it in your own feed and share it. Like it takes so little effort, but it's such a huge thing that you can do. So uh, I appreciate you guys. I, uh, I should mention Patreon. I should mention that YouTube, I'm, I'm doing YouTube memberships now, serving up one or two exclusive videos every single week just for YouTube members and for Patreon. Of course, if you choose Patreon, you unlock the archive with like 150 plus exclusive videos, collection tours, uh, all that stuff. I have some exclusive audio commentaries too. So I want to thank you for the time that you spend with me here at the podcast. I've got some cool episodes headed your way for the rest of October and hey, November shaping up to look pretty great too. So thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Take care. Until next time, I will catch you later.